Right. Good morning. As I think has been mentioned, uh, I, my name's Sean. I'm part of the leadership team here this morning. And I'm uh, going to be continuing with uh, looking at the book of Galatians, which is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And uh, we've been working our way through it, it seems, for a very long time. And we are somewhere in the, the early parts of chapter 4 of Galatians until Nathan comes back up. We'll be going back to chapter 2 again, I believe. <laughs> but uh, actually, there, there's, there's so much in this, and, and we, we're really just spending time seeking God as to what to bring um, from these passages. We want to you know, make sure we get everything out that we can, and so hence why we're go we'll be going again over a little bit of what's been discussed in the last few weeks, but I hope there's something new, something fresh in it, but also maybe just a reminder as well of what's already been said. So I want to start by uh, telling, uh, well, just talking really very briefly about dogs. An odd way to start a sermon, but actually Thursday night I was up collecting uh, my son, he'd been on an explorer walk, and uh, I was up in four marks waiting outside the chippy, and uh, a little dog came up to me, and I, I do love dogs, uh, I bent down and was uh, patting him, and he was licking my hand, and he was, you know, his tail was wagging, he was very, very friendly. Um, but a number of years back, I was on a canal holiday near um, Alva Church, which is near Birmingham, and I, I was just uh, walking down a path a little way from the canal, and a, and a dog with, with his owner um, came down the path, and as is my normal thing, you know, I, I, I like to uh, say hello to dogs, and as I went to put my hand towards this dog, it snapped and went to my hand, and I just got my hand out the way, but it, you know, it was after blood, and the owner apologized and said, actually, this dog um, is a rescue. I've only literally just got it, and it was very badly treated, and so it's scared, and so, you know, reacts badly um, to people that it, that it didn't know. And it just made me think that, you know, the, these dogs have been treated very differently. Most dogs are in loving families. They're treated well, and they tend to uh, react to strangers you know, in a friendly manner most of the time, whereas if they've been badly treated, most of the time they will then in turn react aggressively or badly or cower away. And so um, you know, this is what got me thinking, and in the minute we're going to be looking at how God is our father, that we're part of a family, but uh, our past can affect how we react to others. Maybe we had really loving parents. We had a great family growing up, and uh, you know, it was an easy childhood. Maybe, though, you had a, a drunken father or a, an abusive mother. Maybe some of the teachers, the school you went to was horrible, and you, know, you struggled with bullying from your peers. This can all impact the way we live our lives how we react in different relationships and to different circumstances. Now, it's, it's said, I believe, about buying shares. They can come with a warning. Past 
performance does not guarantee future growth. Well, our past experiences may not guarantee our present and future reactions to others, but they can play a huge part. So you know, how we were treated in the past can really impact how we treat others. How we live our lives now is very likely to be dictated by our past experiences unless we have worked through those painful times. So let's, uh, we're going to read our passage now, which is, we're starting Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7, and we will concentrate on verse 6. whispering going on. The light. Should we lower the lights a little? <laughs> okay, so. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So we pick up there in verse 6 that thing about God being Father. For those in Christ, our passage refers to a God as our Father. This is incredible news, or it should be, but our past can play a tremendous role in helping or hindering us in understanding what God as our Father truly means. And so this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at God's attributes and maybe how we struggle with God as Father because of our past. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that uh, you chose us. You, you desired a relationship with us, and it was such an incredible relationship, that of Father of child. And Lord, I pray as we, we just look at this passage this morning, we would understand a little bit more what it means to know you as our Father in heaven and to be known as your children here on earth. Amen. Just as we continue, I wanted to explain a little bit. It talks a lot here about sons and very little about, well, nothing about daughters and only a little bit about children. And uh, as has been said, but really it's important to remind ourselves of this. Uh, in the time that this passage of scripture was written, sons would inherit from the father. It was usually to do with land. So um, the father would pass on the land to his son or sons. Daughters very rarely inherited Partly because of that was because when they married, the land could potentially go out of the family and into another family. And so there are a few exceptions, but rarely daughters would inherit. Now, 
To us in this day and age, that sounds incredibly sexist, but that is how it was. And Paul was talking into this situation. And so what was being said would have been understood by those receiving the letter. To be a son meant you were an heir of your father's estate. However, as we saw last week when Nathan, I think, spoke, he he spoke briefly about Galatians 3, verse 28, and what it says, all who are in Christ, that is, all who are saved, whether they are a Jew or a Greek, whether slave or free, male or female, all have the same inheritance. So this wasn't just speaking to uh, uh, women. This was actually, Paul was speaking to slaves, and he was speaking to non-Jews as well, that in Christ, all receive the same inheritance. And they would have understood this as being such a, an incredible uh, you know, thing that actually, where they had no inheritance in the, maybe in the Jewish uh, tradition, here in Christ, they now had equal inheritance. And so, when Paul is talking about an inheritance as sons, he is actually talking about men and women, slave and free, Jews and Gentile, all who have accepted Christ. So then, returning to our passage, it starts off that God sent his son. <coughs> Why? So that the relationship that had been broken could be restored, that we might receive that inheritance that was lost. Jesus came to die for our sins and that we might then be restored to God, but also that we would be part of his family. We would be his children. He would be father. It was, it was the best relationship that God could possibly offer, that of father to child. Then it goes on, our passage, because you are sons, because you are children, because you are in Christ, God the Father then sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Why? It says then, so the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And we read in Romans 8, verses 14 to 16, this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to tell us of our status, our new status in Christ, that we are children of God. That is what, part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's letting us know. He's reassuring us that actually what Paul has said is true, that God is our Father and that we are his children. So we get from this that God not only desires relationship with us, but that actually he wants us 
to know him as father, to know his fatherly attributes, if you like, to understand that. But as I said earlier on, our past can prevent us from understanding and acknowledging who God is and what he's about. So we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at five different attributes of God. Obviously there are more, but uh, I've just picked out these five that I think will help us as we look through them to understand more clearly what it means to, for God to be our Father. Okay, so we're going to start with uh, number one then. Loving. Okay, so our actions can lead to rejection by people, even by those close to us. Many things can lead to rejection. If you consider when, maybe when you were a, a child and you could be, do something like, you know, you might uh, do badly in a test, say. You might underachieve and potentially your parents if they weren't so loving, might blame you for that. And so you feel a sense of rejection because of underachievement. It may be that you've made a genuine mistake, but people don't take that on board and they reject you, even for a genuine mistake. It may be that uh, you didn't meet the expectations of somebody, and so they turned their back on you could be something as simple, and you hear it more in other countries, but you were just the wrong gender when you were born. They wanted a son, you were a daughter, or they wanted a daughter and you were a son. You see, we take these things on board. We take on board into our lives rejection. We take on board pain and not, of not experiencing love. And that's especially so if it was through our parents or other close relatives or through people in authority over us, say teachers. We, we can, these things sit within us and they produce in us actions and reactions throughout our lives unless they're dealt with. And they can actually blur or impede our vision of God. And so where we have felt rejection in the past, maybe by a parent where we thought would, should have loved us, so we struggle to understand when God says he loves us so much. We, we can still feel rejection or struggle with these issues. We can... Even see our own sin, our wrongs, our mistakes as a barrier between us and him. We can feel that we are repulsive to him because of our sin. And yet, God's word tells us clearly in 1 John 3 verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children, children of God, and that is what we are. And again in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son 
that whoever believes in him shall not, have per- shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you are struggling with the thought that God can't accept you because of the way you are, because of your sin or what you've done. I just wanted a, a little story, and uh, this is something that uh, last year, actually John, who I, I work with quite often, told me. Uh, I'm going to try and get it all in, in order, but uh, I, I was very amused by this, but uh, I think at the time John wasn't. He, uh, his son Daniel had gone out for part of the day and had said he was going to a particular park in town. And uh, he, was, he was supposed to be due home at a particular time, and that time came and went, and Daniel had seemed to have disappeared. And obviously, as a parent, after a while, you, you give him a bit of grace, and then you start to think, well, maybe there's a problem. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe, you know. And so I remember John heading off around town, trying to find him, going to the places, place where he said he'd be, and then maybe to the other park in town, and uh, still nothing. And I, I remember John finally coming back and said, oh, well, we've, I found him. And he was down, he'd found him in flood meadows, and uh, something along the lines of, in the stream, John spotted a load of extremely muddy children. And he had to go right up to Daniel to recognize him. I mean, he, I think it was plastered, literally, with mud and sopping wet. You know, he couldn't even recognize his own son at first. Now, John could have gone, been so angry and gone, right, that's it. You, you're not coming home until you're clean. But he didn't. What he did was he took Daniel home. And yes, he had to go in the shower twice. Twice, yep. <laughs> the clothes probably went through the washing machine twice as well. But uh, actually, John didn't reject his son because of the mud. He did reject the mud, but he kept the son. And actually, that is how God sees us. He rejects the sin, but keeps the child. And so our sin, yes, it's washed off. The blood of Christ washes away our sin, but God keeps us. His love is not dependent on our action or our inactions. It's not dependent on the past or the present or the future. He loves us, period. Okay, we'll move on to number two then. Faithful. I guess if we were to take a poll, most of us, if not all of us, will have been let down in the past, maybe by a parent, a friend, a teacher, a sibling. Promises broken. We might have felt neglected or a lack of attention, especially by parents. And this can lead to a lack of trust in others. If my parent, who was supposed to love me, didn't, uh, you know, neglected me or broke promises or let me down, how, why should I trust anyone else? Why will they prove faithful when those who, who are closest to me did, weren't? And this can spill over into our relationship with God. Can I trust him? Will he keep his promises? Is he faithful as he says he is? But sadly, my 
My own dad received very little affection from his parents. They lacked interested interest in him completely and didn't show him any real love at all. And so, in turn, he struggled to show love to me or to my brother or to my mum. He was never really around. He was always... He, he was always either working or in the pub. And actually, in a sense, sometimes it got to the point where I didn't want him around because it was, it was, more, you know, it was more pain and more hassle than it was worth. His promises seemed to be often broken. And sadly, this, has, you know, this spilled over into my own life as well. And you know, I struggle sometimes with showing love And this is something I'm aware of and I have to continue to work through. And I believe God has done a lot in my life in dealing with these past pains. But there's so much more. Because I'm a product of my childhood. And so I'm working that through. But it does also cause me to struggle sometimes to trust God. And I'm sure, as I said, many, many here would also, if they thought closely, would say yes. Maybe they weren't so bad issues. Maybe they were worse issues. But actually, it impacts my life in some way. Those little times when you react badly and think, where did that come from? It's probably come from your past. Just a few verses of Scripture about how God is faithful and we can trust him. This is Hebrews 13, verse 5. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Again, Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He will never leave you. He is totally for you. He keeps his promises. He will not neglect you. We may have been let down by others, but he will never let you down. third attribute then. Ever present. Yep, that's your cue, Tom. Thank you. Very similar maybe to the last one, but a few things to pick out in here. Loneliness can be a significant issue in our lives. We've been, people aren't around when we want them. Maybe, maybe when you were a child and you were in a difficult situation and you just wished your mum or your dad or someone else, a teacher, was there at the time, but nobody was there. Maybe, actually, it's because a parent or a, a significant figure in your life has died. It's not their fault, but actually they were no longer there. Someone you needed, someone you trusted, someone you depended upon, suddenly gone, taken from you. Maybe parents 
divorced. And so one parent was gone. Even just work may have kept them from you. We can feel let down by others, lonely, desiring a friendship, but scared we may be hurt. Again, a few verses of scripture. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And then a, a longer passage of scripture. For, this is John 14, and it's verses 15 to 18, and then verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. I just love that, make our home with them. And that's a real sense of God is for the, you know, with you always. He's making his home in your life. He's not leaving. He is ever present. We are never alone with him in our lives. You know, God sees our successes. He sees our struggles. He knows our failures. He is never too busy for us. He has all the time in the world for you. We don't understand it, but he does. In some way, God gives us all the time we need. Okay then, moving on to number four, generous. This may be an area where you struggle with. It may be Growing up, again, we go back to our past, but it may be our present, but growing, growing up, you were poor. Maybe your parents just didn't have the money. You struggled with life. You had somebody else's leftover clothes. There wasn't enough money for a holiday or for going out for a meal or those little extras of life and in fact maybe even struggling with day-to-day -day life. Maybe it wasn't so much to do with uh, money or material things. Maybe it was that you were, your parents gave you no time. You were time poor with your parents so those who should have been close to you actually were too busy doing other things. They were either working or into the, the, their own hobbies or, or whatever. Maybe they were just stingy. Maybe they had plenty of money, but you didn't see any of it. Maybe their possessions seemed more important than a relationship with you. 
Now, I think sometimes we can, we can do that ourselves. We, we can put a, you know, we, we have things around the house and then we're constantly saying to our kids, don't touch that, don't touch that, you'll break that. What are we saying? Are we inferring maybe that other things are more important? Do we see God as unable to supply our needs? Maybe we think he's not interested in supplying them. That our needs, our worries, our, even our desires, maybe they're unimportant to him. He just doesn't care. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, Jesus said this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Even the most generous parents do not compare to God. Again, in Matthew 6, verse 26, Jesus said this, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If God provides for the lesser parts of his creation, how much more will he provide for you, his child? And then Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He knows our needs better than us. Trust him. He will provide. He is so, so generous. We move on to the final one, number five. This is a, a strange one in one sense, maybe. You might not like this one. Disciplinarian. You might think, oh, that's something someone is very strict on, but actually the, the actual dictionary definition I found was this, a person who imposes or advocates discipline. And uh, yeah, this is one of those areas of God's attribute that we may like to steer away from, as nobody really likes discipline, do they? But we read in Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 11, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. 
how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. <coughs> but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, when we were children, we were, hopefully, we were disciplined. Now, at the time, you probably think, you were thinking, oh, I don't like this at all, it's terrible. Maybe, hopefully, if you were disciplined well, you may look back now and think, yeah, okay, they may, didn't get it right all the time, but actually, I needed the discipline, it, it helped me, it changed me and transformed me into something that they wanted me to be. But actually, sometimes we were disciplined badly, sometimes uh, things didn't, weren't right, and it, it explains in that passage, actually, Human parents, they are only human. They get it wrong. They make a mess sometimes. They make mistakes. And it can, therefore, impact the way we perceive, you know, looking at God discipline us. Especially if we've been, had, you know, poor discipline in the past. It can be very difficult to think of God then, you know, being good at this, at actually disciplining us well when we need it. But actually, it makes it clear it is because of God's great love for us that he does this. It, because it brings about transformation in us. It brings about a harvest. It brings about peace. It is for our ultimate good. And it helps us to be more like Christ, to display him more effectively. So in conclusion then, in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus starts the, the well-known prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven. But that doesn't mean he is distant or uncaring or unable to help us. It may be, I hope, that as you've gone through, we've gone through this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit has been highlighting a few things to you. Because actually our past, the bad things, the difficult times need to be de dealt with. And even as we become adults, we take these things with us. And it's important that actually we spend time with God. The Holy Spirit will bring things to mind and he will deal with, deal with this so that we are more able to relate to God and to other people. And so I would say after um, I've finished, I just want to offer an opportunity for folk to be prayed for, to uh, maybe to work through some stuff. Now that may be that you can do that best with someone sitting next to you, someone who's brought you or you came with or you trust, maybe a, a, a group leader that you know. Maybe you can come up to the front and speak to and pray with one of us guys at the front. But actually... If God's highlighted something to you, you need to deal with it because it's affecting your now. Our God is 
loving. He is faithful. He is ever-present. He is generous. And he disciplines us for our good. He is our Father. And we are his children. Let's work through issues of the past so that we can relate well to him and to each other. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you that you are incredible. Now you could have either not offered any relationship with yourself or you could have just offered a, a very far-off, distant relationship. You could have come and died for us but not offered us a personal loving relationship and yet you love us so much you delight being with us you are so generous and you long to see us transformed that you have poured out your holy spirit upon us he is the one who transforms he's the one who shows us that you are father and that we are your children and i pray lord that each of us would get to know that reality more and more day by day. Amen.